Our scripture comes from Matthew chapter 6, page 1504 in the Bench Bibles, where we'll read the verses 9 through 15, and then there are a couple other verses I'll refer to in the sermon but not read, and then we'll note the teaching of the Heidelberg Catechism. So, Matthew chapter 6 page 1504, beginning at verse 9. Uh, This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And then our text, that next phrase, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread, Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your Sins. These are very words of God. And then in connection with this scripture, the teaching of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 49, question and answer 124, page 61, in the backs of the Psalter hymnals. Lord's Day 49, question 24, 124, what does the third request mean? Answer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven means help us and all men to reject our own wills and to obey your will without any back talk. Your will alone is good. Help everyone carry out the work he is called to as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. These, the words of the creed. Your will be done. That's our subject. When I was doing my doctor of ministry work, I was, as part of the requirements, making a high school catechism, we called it then then catechism, a high school catechism manual. One of the activities I did to prepare for that manual was to go to my high school class. It was 11th and 12th grade those days, a lot of young people, so they didn't have the whole high school together. And it was a good class, good kids. They were honest, they were open, they were forthright, they were respectful, really good class. And I said to them, today our lesson is on your will be done. And I have here a bunch of questions and answers and subjects. And what I would like you to do is to tell me what you would like the lesson to be about in particular. 
And the answer I got was a good one. The answer was this, look, we can pray your will be done, but our question is, how do we know God's will for our lives? If we know it, we'll do it. But how do we know it? And then when we looked at the catechism, you just heard a couple of other comments from a couple of the other kids. They said the catechism tells us to help us and all to reject our own wills. Okay, we're strong-willed people. And to obey your will without any backtalk. How do we do that? How do we know what God's will is to obey? What they were doing was focusing on one very important application, and that was, how do I know what God wants me to do? Now, they were thinking, they actually surprised me, because later when I asked them what, what the most important thing they'd like a lesson on, it was the same thing. How do I know God's will for my life? But I guess they... They surprised me, but shouldn't have, because they were interested in things like, who does God want me to marry? The answer to that is a Christian. And um, how do I find what job God wants me to do? I'll address that shortly. And other things, similar things that young people face. But we all face those same questions throughout life. I know I have sometimes. You as a church deal with what's God's will for us when it comes to our future. Some of you are dealing with individual things. What's God's will for me, and how do I know it? And so with that introduction, I bring up today's subject, your will be done, and the specific application, how do I find God's will for my life? Now, that much having been said, what I did with that class was went home and worked real hard and distinguished four parts to God's will that I have talked with people in counseling with ever since, and that was 30-some years ago. I won't change it now. We do face a difficulty in asking about God's will both in English and in the Bible. In English, that word will means so many different things, and you are all experts on English, so you probably don't even notice it. But will is, for instance, a name. My wife has a nephew named Will. William, they call him Will. A will is also a last will and testament, as in the wills many of you have had made. Will also means future tense, as in we will do this or that or the next thing. And there are other meanings to that word will. We just don't notice how often we use one word for multiple things. Well, the English word will also covers more than one thing in the Bible. And to rightly distinguish is the right of a theologian. I'll claim that right. But also, I think, very helpful for all of us, and that's why I preach on it. God's will, I will distinguish into four parts. There are other ways this could be done. But God has a will of decree. 
that we'll talk about first. And God also has a will of do and don't that I referred to already and will refer to again. And then God also has a will of disposition. Those things are not contradictory. And then fourth, God has a will of, we could call it decision or direction to go or guidance, goes by all their names. Now, uh, bear with me. I don't think this is overly complex, but I think it can be very, very helpful to all of us. Your will be done. The question that comes up is, how should we think and act in light of that prayer? Your will be done. Well, the first distinction in the will of God, or if you will, the first part of God's will, is God's will of decree. Theologians speak of the divine decrees. I should give you a proof text for all of these, and I will. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Now, granted God has a divine decree, all Reformed theologians, I think, would give a hearty yea and amen to that, the question is, how should we think and pray and act in light of God's will of decree? few thoughts here. One, we can't change God's divine decrees. So when we pray, your will be done, we're not talking about the divine decrees. Further, we don't want to change God's will of decree. For example, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to the Father that he might be able to avoid the cross. Well, God had decreed that salvation would come through his Son, and so God did not answer that prayer affirmatively. And Jesus, of course, prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. If God decreed something and we know it, the proper response is, your will be done, we accept it. And we should also affirm that God's decrees are always good. Now, we don't always understand God's decrees and God's ways. In fact, I believe that all or most of us will have at least one time in life when we don't understand. And I'll give you an example from just this past week. On Tuesdays, I don't know if I told you this, but I'm driving a van with these tuxedos to Indianapolis. Tuesday morning, my boss said to me, he said, stop in such and such city, please, next to Indy, and at so-and-so store, and just talk with them. And him and I knew the background. The store owners, a man and his wife, had a daughter who died in her 30s of Lou Gehrig's disease the first day of June. I had already stopped there and talked with them at some length, and so had my boss. They're good customers. And so I stopped there. 
and talked with them for about 20 minutes by way of follow-up. And they're both Christians with strong faith, although Christians with strong faith sure cry tears sometimes, and they do too. And the significant thing he said to me, it was right on theologically, he said, I do not understand why our one and only daughter had to die in her 30s of Lou Gehrig's. But I will not let the devil have the victory in this. I'm a Christian. I have faith in God. I will live by faith even though I don't live by sight. And I believe that the day will come when I will understand or at least understand more than now. And I said to him, brother, I know you're right on as a Christian. Now, what he was saying to me was, God in his decree had allowed a death he didn't like or want. He didn't understand. And he wasn't going to give the devil the victory in it. But he was saying, I will believe that God's decrees are good. And what I don't understand now, I believe I will someday. God's divine divine degree. Now we can see why Jesus died now, but we don't always see the end when it's something we don't understand. But I, I cannot overly linger here. The second uh, part of the will of God is God's do and don't will which I'm sure you're familiar with, God's law, the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall and you shall not. Now, how should we think and pray and act in light of God's do and don't will? Well, to answer that question, first of all, we can't change God's do's and don'ts though some people certainly try. And we don't want to change God's do's and don'ts. Those Ten Commandments are good for us. And the third thing that would be very beneficial, learn God's do's and don'ts and know them well. You know, I preach around these days and some churches don't make any reference to the Ten Commandments or God's law in any way. And I guess I half understand that because people have a penchant to be legalists. They hear the Ten Commandments, they'll say, I don't break them like my neighbor, so I'm a goody-goody. I understand that part. But by the same token, to understand God's will, we have to know God's do's and don'ts. So in my opinion, we ought to know the Ten Commandments, even if we have to be very clear about their purposes. And that leads me to another statement. Learn the purposes of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are not a way to save ourselves by being good people. You can't do it. I wish all people knew that. You know it, I'm sure. You're more sophisticated than average on God's do's and don'ts. The purposes of God's do's and don'ts 
are threefold according to our catechism. Again, many of you are sophisticated above most Christians here. The commandments teach us of sin. They teach us we need salvation and we can't get it through the law. We need it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then we who are saved can serve God. And I might say governments too, if you remember last week's sermon. See, sin, salvation, service. That's God's do and don't will. So therefore, when we pray, your will be done, we're praying, God, help us to know your do's and don'ts, to know their purpose, which will drive us to Jesus for salvation, and then to live in the light of those do's and don'ts. That's the second part of God's will then. The third part is what I will call God's will of disposition. Listen carefully to 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 9. And maybe especially if you think of God's predestination in a negative way. But listen to this. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, I call that the disposition of God, and that's one beautiful text, at least in my book. So how should we think and pray and live in light of God's will of disposition. Now, just a couple of very practical points here. Number one, be patient as God is patient. If anyone says, why didn't Jesus come yet, some 2,000 years after he ascended, the answer is God's will of disposition and his patience. Be patient. Another thing is, God is a promise keeper, and Christ will come again. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, God has his reasons for his timing, and we are to live with God's timing. As far as I know, every generation since New Testament times has sort of thought, or some people of those generations sort of thought, that Christ would come again in their generation. Maybe he'll come in ours. <laughs> Sometimes I think he will in light of what I see, but everyone else has thought that too for a long time. God will make decisions about when Jesus will come again. Now, we've talked then about God's will, and I've made bold to make three distinctions you should be aware of. The one was God's decrees, they stand firm. The other is God's do's and don'ts, they stand firm too and they're important. And the other is God's will of disposition, God is kindly disposed to you. Now, the fourth and the last distinction in God's will 
is God's will of what we can name various ways and people have, decision, direction, or guidance. My young people in the church were saying to me, what is God's guidance for us as we enter adult life? That's a legit question that I feel a minister should address. I have been asked that same question, by the way, many more times in my 40 years of ministry. And we all face that question, whether we name the question or not. What does God want me to do? What's God's best for me by way of marriage, say? Uh, Job preference, job application? What's God's will for us in a church, future direction? The question comes up a thousand ways. But I want you to listen now to some texts from Scripture where this question of God's will of guidance is at issue. Listen to it. Acts 16.6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Did you hear that? The Holy Spirit shut a door to them. Listen to this one, Acts 20, 22, and 23. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Did you hear that too? The Spirit is giving some kind of testimony to the Apostle again about what to do and not to do. Now, one more text here, Acts 21, 10 to 14. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and we'll hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. (laughs) What a complex thing. So here we got this uh, prophet saying, if you go to Jerusalem, trouble, trouble, trouble. Paul is saying, I know, but the Spirit says to me, go up anyway, and I'm willing to deal with trouble, trouble, trouble. I won't be dissuaded. So they gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. These are the complex and hard texts, but the question that is in front of us is, how do we know God's will of direction for the future for us. Maybe a prior question is, can we even know it? And a question in connection with these scriptures you heard is, how does the Holy Spirit work in all this? Well, I can answer that in general. The Holy Spirit is sent out from the throne of God to lead God's people, that in general. But how do we know 
the direction to go and what would be of the Spirit and not of the Spirit. My young people were asking that question, as you know by now, and that's a good question. And we dealt with that question that year, and I will tell you what I came back to a later class with, and that's some things such as this. We would be very unwise. I think they were asking a wisdom question here. We would be very, very unwise if we were to do some things such as seek the leading or the will of God from some places such as the fortune teller at the circus or the prognosticator at the state fair or an Ouija board or that kind of thing. Those things are secular and they're not the way God leads his people. I also suggest that we would be very unwise if we were to seek God's leading in some ways that people seek God's leading. One would be through dreams. I had a dream, God is saying to me. Here's the complication in this. Joseph had dreams, Joseph in the Bible, and they were God's leading. I also suggest it's unwise to find God's leading by things such as, they call it Bible dipping. You open your Bibles, you find a certain text that the Bible opens to, and that text is God's leading for you. But I have to quickly add a minute that one of the greatest Christians in Bible history, Augustine, found God's leading to conversion that way. Augustine was sitting reading in a portico in Rome, and outside of that portico, the fence, the arbor, uh, he heard two children, and one of them said, Take and read, take and read. Augustine opened his Bible, came on a text in Romans 13 that says not by lasciviousness or immorality, and he had been both, but another way. And he took that text, Augustine did, as God's will for him to become a Christian and to live a Christian, and he became one of the greatest theologians in Christian history. So I guess God can work any way he wants. But by the same token, we have to be a bit cautious. The first thing I told you was be cautious of secular ways, palm reading, all that kind of thing. Avoid them. You don't need to do that stuff at the fair. Second, be careful that you don't identify your will with God's will. Every so often, someone will say to me, but God told me to tell you to do such and such. And I usually look at them and say, well, if God told you, why didn't he tell me too? You know, what those statements often are, are manipulation and control. Be careful of identifying your will with God. Now, those are the cautions. Here are some positive suggestions to find next steps. See, what we want to find is the way God is leading us forward. Give it to you in four 
steps I talk with people about when the subject is the same as our sermon today. Number one, pray much. The Bible says, ask and seek and find. Pray much to God say, and say something like, God, in the Lord's Prayer, I'm supposed to pray, your will be done. I want to do your will. I know from the catechism's teaching that I'm to do it diligently and earnestly. How do I find your will? Pray much. The second thing is, what would you like to do? We all have gifts, talents, abilities, a calling from God. What would you like to do? The third thing is, consult others, especially experts. What do the experts see in you by way of ability? What does the group see by way of the next steps to take? Very important to rely on those who have more expertise than we do. And then the fourth thing that I always tell with people, uh, people about it, I don't kind of, I don't let them go until we get it. And that is the next step. If we're busy praying, considering what we would like to do, experts say we can do or it's good for the group to do, what's the next single step? There's always one step we can take when we're done talking. And you want to find that step. And then after one step, there will be another step. And God has a way of opening doors. That's 1 Corinthians 10 to 13. No temptation has overtaken you. That's not common to mankind. But with the temptation, God will make a way of escape. So you go forward one step, two steps, in light of one, two, and three, prayer, what you'd like to do, what others say is good to do, you go forward one step at a time, one day at a time, and look for God's open door. Now, God is going to surprise us. He really will. But that's the way it is. And so, therefore, my dear friends, pray much. Your will be done, and seek God's will for your life. God is on your side to help you. I'd like to close this morning with some words from a song. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief and pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways lead to a joyful end. Be still, my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves of wind still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. Be still, my soul, the hour is hastening on when we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, 
sorrow forgot, love's purest joys restored. Be still, my soul, when change and tears will be past. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we have heard our Savior pray, your, uh, tell us to pray your will be done. And we understand and know how to live some parts of your will very clearly, the do's and don'ts. And we praise you for your will of disposition. But we also pray in concluding today's worship service that you will do what this song tells us, that you will lead us along. For Jesus' sake, amen.